right. Um, this morning, it is an honor, saints, to be standing in front of you to teach, to share the word of God. This is something that I don't take lightly. You know, to stand in front of brethren, Christians, to preach, it's not an easy thing. Most especially when you know that there are people who know the word. You can't just say anything. But we thank God because God is good. His word is true. His word stands firm. And his word comes for a purpose. Hallelujah. And he said in his word that his word cannot come and go back without accomplishing its purpose. But for its purpose to be accomplished in our hearts or in our lives, it depends on us whether we receive the word of God or not. Today I'm going to be sharing under the topic. I just want to see which, uh, which one. All right, because I had first given the first one and then I changed my mind. <laughs> Blessed are you because you believe. Our theme scripture is in Luke chapter 1, verse 45. I'm going to read it in two versions. Um, the first one, I'm going to read it in the, in the NIV. It says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord will do what he said. Let me say that this is my favorite scripture. Hallelujah. And then when we read it in the King James Version, it says, and blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Blessed is she, or we can say he, because today we are talking to both men and women. This scripture, it's when um, Elizabeth was talking to Mary. Isn't it the angel came to Mary and told her that she's going to be pregnant and she's going to give birth to the Savior, or the Messiah? And then Mary was like, how is it going to be because I'm a virgin? And then the angel said, the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you and then you are going to conceive. And then she said, let it be done to your maidservant as the Lord pleases. And prior to that, the angel, the same angel Gabriel had appeared to um, Zachariah and then told him that his, him and his wife Elizabeth, they are going to have a child. Zachariah did not believe. And then the angel said, because you did not believe, you are going to be mute. But this is the name that I want you to give the son. You are to call him John. And then when the Bible says when Elizabeth fell pregnant, she went into seclusion for five months. Now when Mary conceived, Elizabeth was six months pregnant. And the Bible says after Mary had received this um, a message she hurried to Elizabeth and then when they greeted each other the baby in Elizabeth's um, womb thank you leaped and then that's when she said this word that you are blessed because you believe because there shall be a performance of those things that God has promised upon your life you know many times as children of God we struggle with believing the word of God we struggle with believing the promises of God because it seems impossible. I mean, if someone were to come and say to Mary, say you are Mary, you are going to be pregnant. You know you are Sister Fire. Like, how am I going to be pregnant? For those who don't understand Sister Fire, I mean the sister who is dedicated to the Lord, who does not do things, yeah, that we do not see. Hallelujah. You know that, you know what, I am, 
I don't do anything that's going to make me fall pregnant. How are you going to believe that? It is not, it's difficult to believe, but Mary believed. Hallelujah. God is a faithful God. He always fulfills his promises. Even when the promise looks like this, it can't be. How impossible. You know, if God can say, I'm going to plant or uh, an apple tree is going to germinate here in the, in the pulpit, it will look like how. I mean, it's impossible. But what God says, he's going to do it. Hallelujah. God's word stands firm. But the only problem is that we fail to believe because it looks impossible. And the angel said unto Mary, nothing is impossible for the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, look at the Red Sea. I mean, who could have ever thought that the Red Sea, the water can part and people walk on dry ground? And now if, I, if someone is to take you to a river and say, this river is going to open, you are going to walk on, that, on dry ground, you'll be like, that is impossible. But with our God, there is nothing that is impossible. He's a God who does the impossible. He's a God who does what they say cannot be done. He's a God who changes what they say cannot be changed. He's a God who saves a sinner whom everyone has given up upon saying that this one can never be saved. He's a God who can do anything. That is our God. He's a God who opens the blind eyes. He's a God who raises the dead. You know, he's a God who heals the lame. He's a God who makes the mute to talk. That is our God. Hallelujah. That is our God. He's a God who makes the barren to have children. That is our God. Hallelujah. The problem with us is that we find it hard to believe. And we end up missing to experience the fulfillment of the promise of God. Hallelujah. I want us to look at a, a few people in the Bible where God made promises and he came through for them. <clears throat> the first one is Abraham. Uh, you'll forgive me, there are some of the verses that I did not give to blessings. Uh, you know, I submitted my, my verses on Friday. But, you know, as you're meditating upon the word of God, more scriptures, they come. So the first one is Abraham. Uh, you know, I'm going to read a lot today. So when we read in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1 to 6 in the New Living Translation, it says, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham. Sorry, it's, the Lord spoke to Abraham. That was before his name was changed to Abraham. Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son, since you have given me no children? Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. 
Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteousness, as righteous because of his faith. Now we see a man who is about 100 years old. And God is saying to him, you know, I'm going to bless you. You will have more. You will have abundance. And this man says, but what is the use of your blessings or what, I, what you want to give me? Because I don't have a son to inherit what you are going to bless me with. My servant is the one who is going to inherit. And then God said, no, I'm going to give you a son. And he takes him outside. He said, look at the stars in the sky. That's how many descendants you will have. There are, other, there are also other scriptures or other verses that says, your descendants will be more than the sand of the sea. This is an old man who does not have a child, but God is saying to him, you are going to have a son. Not just a son. You are going to have many descendants who are even more than the stars of the sky. And the Bible says, Abraham believed the Lord. And count, and he was the Lord counted him as righteous. When we read in Hebrews chapter six, verse thirteen to nineteen in the New Living Translation, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham, and since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in His own name, saying, "I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number." Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. So when God was making this promise to Abraham, the Bible says because there was no one greater that he could swear by. And really normally when we say something and you want to swear, for those who you know, like to swear, I'm not swearing, I'm not saying vulgar words. I get, someone will say, I swear by my mother's or my father's grave, or I swear by my mother, or I swear by so and so. But the Bible says God swore by his name. And this is one thing, that God, it is impossible for God to lie. There is a word, there is a scripture that says that, uh, other versions says that God has exalted his word above his name. You know, his name is powerful, but he has exalted his word above his name. Why? Because he's a God of his word. He's a trustworthy God. And he knows that, you know, he can never defile his name. Therefore, whatever that he says, it is a sure thing. Hallelujah. You know, we know the story of Abraham. I can say he nearly missed the promise because he thought, ah, 
this God is taking forever. You know, actually it was the wife. She said, "Uh uh-uh, things are not happening. Please take my servant, have a son, have a child with her. And things did not work out the way she had planned. But imagine if Abraham had said, I know this God, what he's saying, it's, it's not happening. Because God did not promise today and it happened the following day. It took years for him and Sarah to have their own son. Imagine if Abraham could have said, no, I'm divorcing Sarah. I'm going to get myself another wife. And then he could have had children. But God wanted to have a child through him and Sarah. That's why even when he had a child with Hagar, that was not the son of the promise. Hallelujah. So what I'm trying to say is, when God has made a promise, and sometimes it seems like it is taking long to happen, we sometimes want to take matters into our own hands, you know, to fast track the promise of God. The Bible says that um, a revelation awaits an appointed time. Though it lingers, wait for it, it will not tarry. Though it may take time, wait for it, it will surely come. Then when we read the story of Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, verse 1 to 4, this is the son of the promise, that is Isaac, the son of Abraham. And then when we read Genesis 26, verse 1 to 4, it says, A severe famine now struck the land, as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerah, where Abimelech, king of of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. Before I read verse 12, let me say this. Now Isaac, Isaac, uh, there is a severe famine. And the only way to save his family was to go to Egypt, or the better option was to go to Egypt. I'm sure there there was food. You know, you remember even with the time in the time of Joseph. But God says to him, Don't go to Egypt. Stay here. There is a famine. Don't go where it looks like there is plenty. But stay here because I am going to bless you. Hallelujah. This is the promise that God is making to Isaac. Stay here. I am going to bless you. And verse 12 says, When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. Now, when God said to Isaac, Isaac, do not go to Egypt. Stay here in this country where you are a foreigner. I am going to bless you, and I am going to give you all these lands to you and your descendants. Isaac obeyed the Lord. And the Bible says where he stayed, that year when he planted, the harvest was a hundred times more than what he had planted. In that time when there was famine. But because God is a good God, he's a God of his word. He fulfilled his promise. When we also read about Noah, you know, I, I don't have a specific scripture that I'm going to quote. But when we read about the story of Noah, uh, God said... I'm going to destroy these people. You know, they are so evil. Build an ark because I'm going to, it's going to rain. You know, there will be a flood. And it is said that at that time, it had never rained before. And, you know, I was trying to check and confirm 
because uh, some people said it took 150 years or 100 years before it rained, from the time the promise was made to the time the flood came. So now look at this person. God says, build an ark. People see you building this huge thing, and they ask you what's going on. You say, it's going to rain. A year passes. Even they're like, what is rain? It's going to rain. What is rain? A year passes. It's going to rain. Two years passes. I mean, if it was me, I was going to destroy that thing. I'm like, God, now you're making me a laughing stock. Isn't that so? We're like, ah, uh-uh, ah, now people are thinking, Guri, you know, they say screw loose. Maybe they'll even take me to a mental institution. This person is building this huge thing. He says, it's going to rain. We don't even know what rain is. And it's been 50 years now. Nothing has happened. But because Noah believed, he trusted in God. When the rain come, came, him and his family were safe. Just imagine if Noah had decided, or maybe he had decided, I'm not going to build an ark. What is rain, God? I mean, rain. Or maybe he built it and he he decided to destroy the ark. When the rain came, he could also have been destroyed. So when God has said something, even if it does not make sense, but we obey. Even if I don't understand, God, what is it that you are doing? But when God has given you a promise, you hold on to the promise. Sometimes even the people that you trust, you know, sometimes you've got people that you consult with, maybe with spiritual matters, they don't understand. Or they will say, "Uh uh-uh, that is not possible. But because you know and you are sure that God has said it, we trust in that. Hallelujah. Um, The story of the Shunammite woman. There was this woman whom uh, when Elijah and his servant went to Shunammite, she will always, you know, accommodate them. And then Elisha uh, found out that, um, found out that she did not have a child. And God said to her, or Elijah, the prophet said to her in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 16, about this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold the son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, men of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next day, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. This is a woman who had been trying for a child for many years. Now she's being told, by this time next year, you will have a a son. For sure, if there were gynecologists at that time, she went to every gynecologist the best. For sure, they told her, you know, you cannot have, you cannot conceive. Hallelujah. Maybe they told her that the quality of her eggs were poor or were low. Or they told her, you know, you've got this condition. Maybe you have uh, endometriosis. Or, you know, you've got tumors. You can't give birth or you cannot conceive. Or maybe they also told her, you know, the way you're, your cervix is, you cannot conceive. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, she could have been given all the reasons why she could not conceive. But the man of God comes and says, next year, this time, you will be holding a son. Isn't God wonderful? There is nothing that is impossible for God. And the Bible says, the next year, at the same time, she was holding a son in her hands. 
And then when we read about the widow of Zarephath, uh, we, there was a time when there was famine, and then um, the prophet Elijah, you know, he, he went to her, he found her picking up um, wood. She was going to prefer, prepare food. And then the prophet said to her, please give me a jar of water. She said, okay, I'm going to give you. He said, while you are going, please make me some bread. And then she said, you know what, my Lord, I only have a, a handful of flour and a little bit of oil that is left. I'm going to make this for me and my son. We eat, then we die. He said to her, make for me first. Uh, verse uh, 14 says, First uh, Kings chapter 17, verse 14 says, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will, never be, will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. If it was someone, they were like, eh, eh, you are born men of God. They just want to eat, and they don't care about us. She could not have come back. She would have gone and made the last and ate and died. But now the word of God comes. The promise comes. Feed my servant. Because I am going to do this, it will not run dry. You are not going to die. I am going to supply for you. And then she, the Bible says she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. God says... Give me this. And you're like, God, this is my last one. And God says, I'm going to supply for you. You will not die. I know sometimes it's not easy, like, but God, how? I mean, today is the 25th. Now I'm getting paid on the 15th. How am I going to survive until the 15th? You know, when it's God who has said it, he will fulfill his promise. Hallelujah. When God makes a promise, he will fulfill it. And then when we read about the, the widow's oil, um, this one, it's a widow who, um, her husband used to be one of the prophets, and then she went to El um, Elisha, and she cried out to him and said, my husband used to serve God, or he used to serve you, he's dead. And now he had creditors. Now these people, they want to take my sons, sell them as slaves. And then when we read um, in verse 2, uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked. Tell me what do we have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and the olive oil stopped flowing. Imagine if after she had received the instructions or the word, she just went and said, ah, let me just test and see. She just maybe took a cup 
and said, let's test the Lord and see what's going to happen. That's how much you would have received. But the, the, the instruction was go and borrow as much as you can. Stretch your faith. Believe that God will do beyond what you think, beyond what you expect, beyond what you imagine. You know, she could have received little if she had little faith. What the level of her expectation is what she received. How, what are you expecting from the Lord? Do you believe that God will do it? Do you believe that God will do it for you? That situation that looks impossible, you know, you've been there in that situation for so long. You have been praying for so long and God is saying, I am going to do a new thing in your life. Do we believe it? Hallelujah. When we read um, the story of Simeon in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 28, it says, at that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby, the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the Lord required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God. So there was a man, Simeon, who had been in the temple, serving in the temple, and God had promised him that you will not die until you see the Messiah. For sure, Simeon had been sick. Maybe he thought, yo, maybe this is it. But the promise of God was saying, you will not die until you have seen the Messiah. And God fulfilled the promise. He held the Messiah in his hand. And when you read going down, he said, Lord, now you can let your servant rest in peace. For me, this sounded like a person who was very old. Who had lived and, you know, he had lived and lived and was like, when is the Messiah coming? I am tired. When is the Messiah coming? And the Messiah came. God fulfilled his promise. When we believe the word of God, it pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 16 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We cannot be people of God or children of God who don't have faith in God. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. You cannot please God when you do not have faith. That is the fact. You can't please God when you don't have faith. The Bible says whoever comes before him must come believing that he is God and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38 says, and my righteous one will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. The righteous shall live by faith. We are people of faith. We don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. Hallelujah. The Bible says, you know, we are saved or we are declared righteous through faith in Christ. We are people of faith. When God says something, when God promises something, we stand upon the promise and say, God, if you have said it, I believe it. And you know what? So shall it be. Hallelujah. Believing makes us unshakable or unmovable. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. That's Psalm 130 verse 5. 
And then Mika chapter 7, verse 7. Uh, my apologies, I have mixed up, you know, or I have rearranged the, the, the scriptures. So some of them are not um, according to how I gave them. Mika chapter 7, verse 7 says, But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear. We wait upon the Lord. Even if they say there is another solution somewhere, we wait upon the Lord. Even if it looks like it's taking 100 years, God is not doing it, we wait upon the Lord. Even if we have waited for so long and, you know, we are given other options other than the promise of God, we wait upon the Lord. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31 says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When we trust upon the Lord, we will walk and not faint. Yes, we will be having that situation, but we shall stand firm. We shall mount up on wings as eagles. And even the enemy will be surprised that this one, I thought, you know what, she's going to give up. But here she is still standing up. And people will be surprised that, but you have been praying, but you still trust in this God. Because we wait upon the Lord. We wait upon the Lord. And our God is a faithful God. He will fulfill his promise. No matter how long it takes, let us not give up. Let us not lose hope. God will do it. Hallelujah. You know, there is this other video that I watched. Um, uh, this, this, this preacher was talking. He was not preaching, I think. He was just talking, you know, on TikTok. And he was saying that the problem with us when we pray, we don't believe. You pray for healing. You are sick. You are in your sick bed. You pray for healing. But already you are imagining your funeral. Like you are saying, God, Lord, heal me. Lord, you are the healer. You are the balm of Gilead. You are Jehovah Rapha. You know you are declaring. You are the Lord, the healer. But when you finish praying, you start imagining yourself dead and how your funeral is going to be. That, that, you know, that, that, that's the human nature. That is the flesh. But we are not, we don't walk according to the flesh. I want to encourage us that when we believe God for something, you know, let us, let us believe. And, you know, even our minds, let us believe. When you believe God for provision, don't see yourself dying of hunger. Hallelujah. When you believe God for a child, don't see yourself, you know, still barren. Don't look at yourself and say, oh, people are going to laugh at me. You know, you imagine people laughing at you. If you believe in God for a car, you start practicing well, if you want the manual how to change the gears, if you believe in God for an automatic, you start practicing, you know, how to drive with only one, one foot. <laughs> you believe God for a car, then you go to the driving school. Why are you going to driving school? Because God is going to give me a car. What I'm saying is, when we believe, let us put action to our faith. Our actions and our thoughts should not counteract what we are believing God for. Hallelujah. Because when, when, when our actions or our thoughts counteract what we are believing God for, it is easy for us to shift from our position. It is easy for us to move from where God has placed us. 
It is easy that when you are sick and you are believing God for healing and it looks like healing is not coming and they tell you that there is a sangoma in Mulej, okay, in, in Koankoa. Sorry. <laughs> there is a sangoma in Koankoa who is able to do it and I come and said, you know what, I had the same condition as you. Look at me, I am healed. If you do not trust God, you are going to go there. If you do not trust God, you are going to, you know, go against the word of God. Unfortunately, children of God, even Christians will mislead you. That's why it's not everything that everybody says that we should take. I like to always talk about the story of the old and the new prophet. The old prophet will come and tell you things which are contrary to the word of God. But because you trust the old prophet so much more than the word of God, you're going to take what the old prophet tells you. I can come and tell you, hey, don't see us standing there in front. We go and we consult. And if you are not strong in your faith, what are you going to do? You will go the end. And you know, people will even give you examples. Hey, you see, so and so, I, I met them somewhere. Don't tell people. You see, pastor, so and so, you know, they go and they, and, and, and they do that. And they tell you, you say you are born again a young person. And you don't engage in fornication. I just want to use the nice word. You don't engage in fornication. Ah, uh -uh, you don't know even Bobo's sister and Bobo's brother. They are also doing it. They won't tell you. When I go to the clinic and so that you don't fall pregnant. But if you don't, you know, you don't believe God or you don't have faith in God. If you are not rooted in the word of God, it is easy to get discouraged. It is easy to be misled. What I just want to encourage the church of God today is that let us stand upon the promises of God. God is not a son of man that he will lie. God is, God is not man that he will change his mind. Hallelujah. He said in his word, you shall not bow down to any other God. He says, I'm a jealous God. Hallelujah. All right. I forgot to set my timer, so I don't know how long I've been talking for, but I'm, I'm almost done. Christianity is a life of faith, not of sight or tangible evidence. God will say, I'm going to heal you, but he will not, he will not give you something to lick or something to drink. God will say, I'm going to do it for you, but he does not give you something tangible that you can hold on to and say, but this is what God gave me. He said, I must put this under my pillow, and then when I put this under my pillow, things are going to go well for me. We take the word of God as it is. We stand upon the promises of God like Noah. You know, you, you build the ark and you say, it's going to rain. And they will say, what is rain? You say, it's going to rain. 100 years or 50 years passes, you say, it's going to rain because you believe upon the word of God. And in order to believe, we know, you need to know the promises of God. The challenge with us Christians, we don't know the promises of God. We don't know what God says to us. We don't know what he has promised us. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. No matter how many promises God has made to you, they are yes. They shall be fulfilled. Hallelujah. 
Then Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 12 says, The Lord said to me, you have, cor- you have sinned correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end. It will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 let us hold unsaveringly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Psalm 125, verse 1 to 2. Those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated, but will endure forever. Just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. When you read it going down, it says that those, they will stumble and fall or they will fall down, but we shall rise up. Those of us who trust in the name of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Also, when we, read in, when we read in Isaiah chapter 43, it says, this is my last scripture, the uh, worship team, can you please come to the front? Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Do not be afraid. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. God is saying to you, I will be with you. Do not be afraid. Do not move from your position. Do not forsake your faith. Yes, it may linger, but it will come. Even if it does not come at the same time that you expected it to come, but it will surely come. Do not go to the north. Do not go to the south. Do not go to the east or the west. Trust in the Lord. Stand upon the promises of God. God is a faithful God. He shall fulfill his promise upon your life. Hallelujah. Can we please stand up on our feet? Hallelujah. May God help us that our faith be strengthened in him. May we believe in God and may we see the fulfillment of the promises of the Lord upon our lives. Hallelujah. Mr. Maguarela, can I please ask you to to just pray for us over the word. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that we serve a faithful God. A God who knows no season. We thank you so much that even in this season where we are in different situations and circumstances, where we are looking to you, Lord, for your promises to be fulfilled. We pray that you would strengthen us. You would strengthen us in our inner man, that in all that we do, we look to you and no secondary option, Lord. We thank you so much that you keep us. You are with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen.